On a dark, wooded road, you wander through the night. You're familiar with your surroundings as you step so surely on, but tonight is different. The snap of a twig catches you off guard, and you begin to hear something. It's low at first, but there's something there. You know you can hear it. Though the fear within you courses through your being, screaming for you to run and find safety, something else is there inside, compelling your curiosity and making you hesitate. Something inside wants to know. You're listening to Whispers in the Night. Welcome back to Whispers in the Night. My name is Sang, and this is the podcast that looks into the things that we fear most through fact, fiction, and folklore. All of these things, of course, we bring to you from the Midwest. You know, the show is on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you'd like to stop on by, join the community, maybe talk about some of the things that are strange and unusual. This episode is dropping a little bit later than planned. I had originally planned on bringing it to you on the 1st, but I realized that there were a few minor tweaks to apply, so I'm sorry. But I do have a few extra goodies coming out this month to make up for it, and you should really be on the lookout for them. In tonight's episode, we're actually going to change things up just a little bit. For starters, tonight's episode won't be digging into a specific case or cryptid from the Midwest. Tonight, we're going to investigate a concept. The story. Since this is technically a horror podcast, I'm going to just be speaking toward that as I go forward. Good? Good. Now, I want you to take just a moment with me. I want you to think about some of your favorite scary stories. Can you remember why you found them to be scary? What was it about these stories that made them so terrifying to you? I ask this because the Midwest is full of stories, and you can seem to find them just about everywhere here. Whether it be a legend or lore, tall tales like that that we're so proud of in Minnesota, like Paul Bunyan, stories that fishermen make up about their latest catch, or even the local gossip, everybody seems to have a story to share about something. This is actually part of the reason why I created my podcast in the first place. I mean, yes, there are lots of stories about the strange and the unusual globally, but you can tune into just any podcast and hear about them. You can hear about Elisa Lamb, the Bermuda Triangle, the Mothman, and so many others. But what I hope to bring you from Whispers in the Night is a chance to hear something that you maybe haven't heard before. Or, if you have heard of it, maybe you don't quite know how it applies to our neck of the woods. You know, I've always had a warm spot in my soul for a good story. Growing up, I was always, always fascinated when any of my relatives would tell one to a handful of whomever was around. You know, mankind has historically used them to teach 
or pass on wisdom, to cope through hard times, and more commonly, and my favorite, to entertain. My mother has always been one of my favorite storytellers too. She always seemed to have a story about something, and when she told them, she always had my complete and full attention. Whether it be a story about her upbringing, or getting through some kind of a tough time, I would just sit down and I would listen to whatever she had to say. Most of my life's lessons were taught by her, as she spoke wisdom to me in the quiet of an afternoon, or while she washed dishes or sat listening to music. As you can just about guess, that went for her stories about the strange and unusual too. I would just sit and soak it up. The thing is, my mom knew I had this driving curiosity for the otherworldly. That was just something she happened to have experience with, and I was often the only soul in a room who would give her the time of day to talk about things like ghosts, or visions, or even other things. Because of her, I grew up with an obsession over stories. But not just any story though, I was incredibly moved by the craftsmanship that went into the short story. When I graduated high school, I attended college with English literature as my major, and I actively gobbled up course after course that dissected the art of creating a story. To me, anybody can write a novel. I mean, I've seen multitudes of writers drone on for hundreds and hundreds of pages to make a singular point that is, well, bland. But it's when somebody is capable of creating a driving statement with less through a specific and stylized word choice, that my curiosity really starts to run wild. In fact, my bookshelf at home is packed with compendiums, anthologies, and collections of short stories that have captured my imagination. You know, it's like this. I'm a huge fan of spicy food. Anybody who knows me can tell you that I like my foods hot and the hotter the better. My endorphins are released like crazy, my brain also releases dopamine like nobody's business, and I experience senses of pleasure, euphoria, and reward when I eat something like a blazing buffalo wing. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not blazing, but, you know, something pretty hot. I say this because I feel my brain does something similar when I read or hear a good horror story. Though it is terrifying, much like how spicy food is, well, hot. I find that terror can be incredibly exciting and entertaining. It's fascinating that stories can do that in general. Short stories, especially. Though tonight's episode isn't about a spooky case from the Midwest, I do have a killer interview with one of my favorite writers slash podcasters, Justin Buskey. And this wouldn't be Whispers in the Night without some feature fiction. We have that for you too. All of that and more after a quick break. Welcome back. For tonight's episode, I dug deep into the Whispers in the Night vault to bring you an interview I've been meaning to give the world for quite some time. One of my favorite podcasts is created by a writer who has a real gift for crafting the short story. On the first Thursday of every month, Justin Buskey releases a new short story or short stories in a new episode for his podcast, Death, Dying, and Other Things. And on every first Thursday, you can find me fangirling, patiently waiting for the very next of his originals. You just need to trust me. The man has a gift for crafting a killer short story. The interview you're about to hear is from 2016. Now, at the time, my podcast was only just starting to pick up some steam, and people like Justin really kept me going. He even allowed me to use one of his stories for one of my episodes. 
So please enjoy my conversation with Justin Buskey. Okay, so Justin Buskey is with us today. Uh, Justin, did you want to tell us, uh, tell my audience what you do? Yeah, um, I'm I'm a writer and a podcaster and a filmmaker. I do a podcast called Death Dying and Other Things. Your podcast happens to be like one of my favorites. I've been listening since the very first episode. I just, I'm in love with the way that you tell your stories. They're so personal and touching. Yeah, um, every, I feel like everything I write is sort of, to a certain degree, autobiographical, if you, if you know what I mean. Like, um, every story I try to tell comes from somewhere inside of me. Like, it's, it's like there's something, something that is haunting me in some way. How did that start? Um, well, so I, I tried to start um, a podcast in January of 2015. Um, sort of the same, the same structure uh, as Death Dying and other things. Um, but it wasn't successful. And I think I put too much. Uh, and by successful, I mean I couldn't keep up with it. I think I put too much pressure on myself. Um, decided it was going to be weekly and writing a story a week is, um, tough for me. So I, I burned out in, in like two, two and a half months. Um, and then it sort of sat on the shelf for a while and it's something I always wanted to come back to. Um, I, I, I just, it, it originated as like a way for me to hold myself accountable to, to writing and to actually finishing things. A lot of things I start, I just never finish. Can you tell us uh, about the influences of your show? Why, why the themes that you go with? Why those topics? So the themes, first of all, having a you know having a theme for each episode really helps to uh, focus my writing. Um, it gives me it gives me an objective. Um, where they come from is always from the first story I write that month. So like I write the, I get halfway through or so the first story I'm, I'm writing and then I can sort of feel, feel the theme and that'll inform uh, the second story of the month. Uh, But I try not to let the themes um, define the the story so what i and what i mean by that is like in the in the first episode uh the theme is intruders yeah but um the the second story is about is about a rope that sort of appears so uh if you're thinking about an intruder you're thinking like you're thinking somebody breaking into some place but um yeah i try to stick i try to be more more loose more hold myself more loosely to the the theme i try to get pretty loose with the with the definition yeah i like that well especially like with that first episode intruders uh the infinite rope you know though it's not an intruder itself it's intrusive it's kind of alien and i i loved that story i i can't tell you how many times i've listened to it it's like seriously one of my favorite stories of yours just because it was not something i'm used to hearing in an in a podcast or even in a story. So it was just perfect. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of, 
um, a lot of storytelling podcasts are sort of uh, that I listen to are sort of serialized, um, and and like tell a tell a story over a whole season of ten or twenty episodes. Um, but the way the way stories are told on my podcast and your podcast um, it, it's sort of refreshing. It's like you get you get a couple quick stories and then they they give you a chill and then you're and then you're out yeah and I, I like I like the freedom that comes with that I like the I like being able to reinvent it every single uh, every single half episode even in your writing uh, do you have any stories of yours that like that you think are particularly a favorite or something that you really enjoyed writing um the the story my dad's only campfire story yeah that's a great one. um it's i think uh yeah um you played it on your podcast too i did i did yeah it's pro- it's probably like the the way that the way that i structured that story being a story within a story i thought i i felt like imagining myself around around a campfire as a as a kid uh, while I was writing that story, which was really great, like to feel like I'm a little kid listening to somebody tell me a story. Yeah, um, and while well, I'm listening to it, just from my perspective, it was, uh, it felt like like a close friend was telling me <laughs> about like yeah. a life lesson, you know, something. You know, this is why I don't go camping anymore. It's yeah, just it's very personal. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I mean, my dad never told me that story. That's not, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, the idea that like your parents have, have things they never tell you, they have secrets they never tell you and yeah. they probably, they probably will never tell you. And then if you somehow do convince them to, uh, to tell you, you pro you probably will regret it. I love that. I love that idea. Um, on the opposite end of that question, are there any of your stories that you feel like weren't finished or that they maybe could have gone a little differently? Yeah, I feel like most of them. Um, I and uh, let me let me answer generally, and then I'll and then I'll get a little bit more specific. But generally, like because I'm, I only. I only release one episode a month, but that's still to me a like a breakneck pace. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so there's not a lot. There's not a whole lot of time for like revisions, like major revisions. Right. Each story. Each story gets like a quick second draft, and then it and then it's t- it's time for recording you know yeah um but the the the, probably the story that i'm the most unhappy with is this is the story i devoted a whole episode to and i forget which episode it is but it was called this house is not a home and uh it's about a family that moves into a house and the house doesn't want them there um and and it, the, the, the idea when I, when, I, when I started that month was that I was going to write a story twice as long 
as my normal short stories, right? Yeah. And then uh, and then do devote a whole episode to it. But what ended up happening was I I wrote a story that was only a little bit longer than, <laughs> than a regular story. Yeah, so it was yeah. like so it was like oh no, this is my shortest episode, and there's only one story. Yeah. And it was just it was a disappointing experience for me. So I mm-hmm. I I. Uh, I I made it up later when when I released a bonus epi- a bonus episode for episode ten. I released a third story, so I feel like I made it up. Honestly, I, I have to say that just like listening to your episodes, I wouldn't have been able to tell that that was your shortest episode. That's really nice of you to say. Yeah, th- they all have a body about them, and they all kind of or they all kind of come full circle, or they're just full enough to where you get enough of the story. If you kind of get what I mean. Yeah, I I do know what you mean. I try to keep things so like Hemingway famously like cut every single word that wasn't that wasn't necessary out of his sentences. Yeah. Um and I don't subscribe to that, but I do think there's some there's some uh value in keeping uh keeping everything you can keep out out and just just giving the audience the the minimum and uh and making them wonder about the rest yeah i'd have to say that your stories do a really good job with that you know uh some of my favorites like especially um the infinite rope for one like you really play with the idea of the unknown it's so many questions unanswered but at the same time there's enough story and content there that you're, you accepted. You're like, you know what? We don't know what's going on, but it's okay. It's yeah. It's great. Yeah. I love, I love the, I I love the idea of being faced with the reality that you, that you can't understand. Like in that, in that story, there's, (laughs) it's this, it's this rope appears in this office park and, uh, and every, everything seems, to, for the most part, seems to go, like life goes on in the face of this, the face of this weird thing that's happened. Yeah. And then, of course, the, and then, of course, tra- tragedy starts striking. But, but I love the, the idea of this strange thing happening and it's real and it's in front of you and there's no hope for you to ever understand why or how it's there but mm-hmm. th- but 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 it is can you tell like what was the influence for that show i'm so curious what what brought about that idea the way i deal with influence is exactly that like these little these little story seeds yeah. Um, like like a noose or 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 something or something else or a creature in the woods, um, and I and I file them all away in my journal and I just have like pages of like three word strings that I <laughs> that I come back to later um, when I need when I need an idea for a story. Um, I, I probably have like. I probably have a list of like a hundred of them at this point that I'll, that I'll get to, that I'll get around to, um, at some point, you know, like, um, I can, I, I grabbed my journal right now and I can just read a few of them 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, a boy disappears. Uh, objects float down from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, the skin horse. Do you, do you know the, <laughs> the skin horse from the Velveteen Rabbit? Like that phrase. Uh, yeah. the, that phrase, the skin horse, just creeps me out. Like, I'm getting, does, goosebumps. I'm getting, I'm getting goosebumps just uh, just thinking about it. <laughs> um, a cursed item. You know mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. So, so I just let those, I just file those away and let them, let my brain, um, let my brain just do its thing. Um, I, I, I tend to not like come, and this is going to sound like, this is going to sound new agey and, and stuff, but I, 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 tend, uh, I tend to not like um, consciously distill those. Okay. Um, so like I'll, I'll, it'll come to me while I'm at a lot of ideas come to me when I'm at work doing something completely unrelated. Yeah. Um, so like, I'll see that, I'll see that picture of a noose. And then while I'm, uh, while I'm rearranging some files on my desktop, it'll, <laughs> it'll click and I'll, and I'll put the noose in the sky and extending to the heavens. Yeah. Just sort of unconsciously. I like that. And then the real, and then the real work starts, I guess. <laughs> uh, speaking of the real work, um, when it comes to writing, because like for me, like I, I have to have a very specific setup. Um, when yeah, I for one, I can't have like a TV on. I can't have a radio yeah, on. Yeah, totally. I need my quiet. Uh, do you have a setup like that you prefer, or is there like a certain environment that works best for you when it comes to your writing? Um. Not, uh, I mean, I have my computer desk um, that I do that I write at uh, at night when I get home. But then I also take uh, I take lunch I take lunch at work to write too. Um, the really the only important thing is that there's no there's no distractions around. So like I'll go outside so that there's nobody around, and or I'll uh, really crank some white noise into my into my headphones. Um, it's hard to write. It's hard for me to write when I'm listening to music, especially if like the music has lyrics. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like it's almost impossible for me to, to write like that. So I'll use like a white noise generator and, and, um, just go to town. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. It's really like, it really, uh, it really sort of drowns out the, the, rest of the world in a way that music doesn't i don't know why i'm i bet there's like i bet there's science behind it but um <laughs> there's like uh at least for me like people people like the sounds of people can still infiltrate uh music but if i've got white noise on no nothing's really getting through all right I think that's time for a quick break. We are divided. Now more than ever. We separate ourselves based on politics, race, age, favorite sports teams, religion, and even what fandoms we subscribe to. But there is one thing that we all have in common. Death. You're gonna die. I'm gonna die. We're all gonna die. 
Hoffman cast seeks to shine a light on the thing that unites us all with a mix of true crime, strange death stories, and a little education mixed in. So when you find yourself at odds with someone, just remember, they are going to die too. Well, I wanted to go back a little bit. You're talking about filing away stories. Like, um, just you jot down a couple of things in your journal. Um, I want to say I'm kind of the same way, um, but I have a shoebox. <laughs> right. It's full of ideas. And it originally... On little scraps of paper? Yeah, yeah. Perfect, yeah. Re- receipts, <laughs> napkins. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, it's, yeah, it started out with stories... Um, I started throwing in some memories eventually that I didn't want to forget. Um, and then like things like app ideas got in there somehow. Yeah. It's just big idea box. Um, but usually when I think about my ideas or things that I do like sincerely want to write about, um, usually I envision like, like a dusty old, like, uh, like it's it's almost like an interrogation room. There's like a, a filing cabinet in the background, just like an old chair and a table under a dimly lit light. And I just I just imagine me going into that room when I want to write something, and I pull something out of a dusty folder, lay it on that old table, and somehow it just comes alive from there. Oh wow, that's a that's that's wonderful. That's a wonderful image to think about. I uh, I started a I had a short story anthology and. So a lot of the stories that I had were very loosely connected, um, but they all started with going into a dusty old room like that and pulling something out of a file. And so I can totally relate to, even if it's just an expression, I, I get you 100%. I can't, I, I can't, ex- I can't explain the, the way, the way I call them, I call them story seeds because yeah. they like, they like sort of. And this sounds so hokey, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm listening to myself. This is this is actually the first time I've ever had to um, I've ever had to articulate my process. I think, yeah. Um, so it's it's sounding really hokey to me, but it, but it's true. <laughs> uh, like I just think of, I just think of them as little as little seeds, yeah. and then when they're ready, like when when they're ready for me to start writing them. Um, they, it's like they sprout and like then then that from that seed i get like a sentence or a paragraph and then like that's enough to, for me to get off to get going on you know what i mean okay so your stories come out the first thursday of every month right uh do you usually have them do you have like a set of stories that is prepared just in case you don't make that deadline um i should and i <laughs> always wanted to but i i don't okay um so the it's a uh, sometimes it's tense <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's like the second week of the month and i still haven't i still haven't gotten any words written mm-hmm. on that first story and i start to get tense i start to sweat a little bit yeah um no but i i i generally have like the next three months worth of uh, worth of like seeds ready. Like I like, okay, these, these are these, (laughs) it sounds so ridiculous. It's okay. These, these are ready. These, uh, these six or so 
stories are ready to start writing on. Um, I, I, I've sort of thought about them enough that I can get going on them. Um, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't stop, uh, writer's block, you know, which is a real thing. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, I hear you. Uh, um, but or if I if if I get busy or something, um, but I just gen- generally have a couple months worth of worth of stories ready to get writing on. But I don't I I have never been far enough ahead to to have a few ready to go in case I need them. I wanted to t- kind of uh, stray from what we've been talking about a little bit to talk about um, your website is uh, Midwest Hearsay. Yeah, Midwestern. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about yeah. that. Um, it's just like the. It's just the. A couple of years ago, I was. I sort of needed something to put all of this stuff I was making under. I was ready to start. Like I had been, I had been writing. Uh, I'd been writing scripts for a really long time, and uh, I was sort of ready to. I had been out of school for a long time too. I was ready to start making films again, and I wanted, I wanted the, to do this podcast. Uh, so I start. I just needed something to. Uh, I needed a. I needed a name to put all under, um, and that's what I landed on, uh, because well, I'm, I'm from the Midwest, and I love the Midwest. It's my. I, I feel like. I feel like the middle of the country doesn't get the love it deserves. Yeah. I think we've talked about, I think uh, you and I have talked about this before, how, yeah. about how special the, the Midwest is. It is. It's kind um, of its own little nook. Yeah. And, and there's so many, and it, it's, it's a part of the country, I think where mysteries still, still exist. I agree. Um, it's it, like because there's so much there's so much land and 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 just miles of forest and um it's i don't know whenever i'm whenever i'm back there I, it's just it's it's the most magical feeling you know what i mean as far as podcasts what got you into wanting to do that huh I can't say that I know exactly. Um, I love, I love podcasts. I'm subscribed to too many and can't keep, I'm I'm subscribed to so many. I can't keep up. Um, But uh, a lot, I mean, a lot of them are comedy podcasts. Okay. Um, Can you give an example? Yeah. Like, uh, like my brother, my brother and me is probably one of my favorite podcasts. Okay. Um, I really like the Boogie Monster, um, which is a which is a comedic podcast about urban legends. Oh dang! Um, it's really good. Check it out. Um, and but then a lot of um, a lot of weird serialized dramas. I love. Like I love. Uh, I loved Limetown. Yeah, me too. There's so many questions unanswered. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the lost of podcasts. It's the lost of podcasts for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and uh, Homecoming is really good. 
um just but and these are all like but these are all like serialized audio dramas with full casts and Mm -hmm. really tight scripts um i don't know i guess i just like i guess i just felt like nobody was really just doing short doing short stories Mm -hmm. um there were there are a few that i was familiar with before i started um where like the moth uh where people would come and tell true truish stories okay you know what i mean mm-hmm. um uh and i i guess i just didn't i just wasn't really familiar with any that did short fiction and so and so, like I said, I, I needed a I needed needed an outlet. I needed to hold myself accountable to producing something, and so I just kind of landed on landed on a podcast. Thank you so much for for joining me tonight. This is really awesome. Absolutely, actually, it was a pleasure. Yeah, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time, and I figured if we're gonna have this conversation, it has to be recorded because I bet you know he has a, a whole lot to tell. Well, I'm certainly no expert, but I, I hope I could help uh, anybody who's listening or, or, or you know, anybody who um, just wanted some advice. One last thing. Yes. Everybody has advice. Yeah. Just take take the advice that works for you and throw the rest of it out. So if none of this, if none of this advice worked for you, just throw it out. Don't feel bad about throwing it out. A Whispers in the Night episode wouldn't be complete without some feature fiction. In tonight's story, we discover the power behind a great, scary story. Our story this evening takes place in one of the best places to tell them, after all, at camp. Join us as we learn the truth behind a story told by a camp counselor. Performed by Kristen Davis, Lindsay Boyd, and Jeff Stallings, you're about to hear a campfire story. For a number of years, I was a camp counselor at an overnight camp in the Muskokas. I loved it more than any job I've ever had, despite the non-existent pay, annoying campers, long days and short nights, crappy food, etc. For one, I got to tell as many scary stories as I could sputter out. There was nothing better than hanging around a dying campfire with a bunch of junior high kids who were demanding the scariest, most blood-curdling tales I knew. And I told them all. The babysitter and the eerie clown statue, the driver and the creepy gas attendant, the woman and her licking dog. I saved my best stories for the overnight trips we made to Algonquin Park. For non-Canadians, it's a massive park in the middle of Ontario spanning nearly 8,000 square kilometers, when days would be spent canoeing on pristine lakes and nights would be spent around the fire, singing and making s'mores, and being as rowdy as the only people within miles could be. Once the kids had quieted down, I told them stories of a stalker in the woods with a face so horrifying it paralyzed all its victims in fear or the group of campers who decided to spend a night across the lake from an abandoned or was it insane asylum? On this particular night, I had finished up the tales, once again insisting that they were entirely true. 
and sent the campers to their tents. It had been an exhausting day, and none of the six kids were in any mood to stay up later. My fellow counselor had also decided to pack it in, leaving just me on a fallen log next to the dying fire. I took a deep breath of the cool, fresh, pine-scented air and looked out at the lake. The partial moon reflected off the glassy water, and on the other side I could see towering cliffs going up several hundred feet. I considered whether we could canoe over, climb up a few dozen feet, or do some cliff jumping. I grinned. The camp director would have my head if we did that. If he found out. Movement at the top of the cliffs caught my eye. There was a small light bobbing along the peak. At first, I thought it was a star, but it was larger and gave off a golden glow. It slowly moved back and forth in a small arc. As I sat up and watched it, another appeared next to it, bobbing along the top of the cliff. Then another. And another. And a few more. My stomach dropped into my feet. I grabbed my bag and pulled my digital camera out, then focused it on the little glowing orbs and used the zoom function. I counted them. And then I counted again. Oh, shit. In a flash, I was up and running to the tents. Hey, guys, wake up. We gotta go. There was movement in the tents, and then I had seven confused heads looking out at me. My co-counselor wore a mixture of concern and pure anger. I hate to do this, I continued, but the clouds are looking really threatening. There's a big rainstorm coming in. If we get caught in it, it's going to ruin our trip. Seriously? Laura, my co-counselor asked. We're in the middle of the woods. Where would we go? I pulled a map and flashlight out of my bag. There's a ranger station a few kilometers south of us. I traced the path with my finger. Thank God. We can make it there in a few hours. The campers groaned. Can't we just go in the morning? No, I shouted, my voice echoing across the lake. I lowered it. Come on, let's get packed up and go. I'll tell you a story along the way. I smiled, though I could feel my lips quivering. It's my best one. That seemed to get them going. And within ten minutes, the tents were packed up and we'd begun our trek into the deep woods, with small flashlights, our only guide. When I was confident we were moving at a steady pace, I allowed myself to relax and began to tell my favorite campfire story. Centuries before the European settlers made their way into the country, it was inhabited by the First Nations people. They had made the trip from across western Canada, following the migration patterns of large animals such as buffalo and bison. Eventually, they reached Ontario, at which point they split off into smaller groups of travelers, each searching for a section of land to call their own. Legend has it, that one group consisting of about 20 men, women, and children had ventured through this very area in search of a place to call home. 
Though it wasn't even the end of October, the weather had made a turn for the worst, and as the group journeyed around the lake, a fierce blizzard hit. Within an hour, the group found themselves in blinding snow and below zero temperatures. The clothes they had on them were made for the fall, not for this sort of weather, and there weren't any Canada goose jackets around back then. But they pressed on. They didn't have any other choice. Night was falling as they reached a cliff bluff, which towered over a cold, choppy lake. There was no stopping for this group. They'd die if they didn't make it past the cliffs. But with darkness setting in, and the snow falling even harder, visibility was almost non-existent. So one of the elders had an idea. Using the little kerosene they had left, he lit a lantern for each of the travelers and had them carry it in front of them, not so that they could see the cliffs, but so they could see who was in front of them, allowing them to all follow each other across the narrow bluffs. With the strongest of the men leading the way, the group began to cross the cliffs. The freezing, wet snow soaked every bone in their body. The harsh wind chilled any exposed skin and threatened to push them right off the rock. Their path was no more than a few feet wide and would have been slippery to even the best hiking boots, let alone old-fashioned moccasins. Slowly, painstakingly slowly, they made their way up the cliffs, praying that whatever lay on the other side could shelter them from the intensifying storm. They were halfway up, hundreds of feet above the lake, though it was well out of their vision. In fact, all they could see in this blinding storm was the lantern in front of them, acting as a beacon to guide their steps. If the light moved up, they moved up. If it went down, they moved down. Each of the travelers was almost in a trance, caring about nothing but the glowing orb a few feet away. For the leader, though, there is no such luxury. He moved forward blindly, feeling along the cliff with his free arm, though his skin was so numb he could barely feel anything. As the path wound back again, he made a misstep and lost his footing, just as a gust of wind blasted his back. He desperately grabbed for the hold, but his frozen fingers couldn't get anything. With a terrified scream, he slipped off the cliffs and fell into the icy black lake. The rest of the party didn't see him fall, of course. All they saw was his glowing orb dropping away from the bluff and disappearing in the darkness. There was no time to mourn. They continued on, but the storm was worsening. After another minute, one of the children, his body unable to withstand the cold, dropped away, his lantern glowing until the choppy waters put it out. After another minute, one of the children, his body unable to withstand the cold, dropped away, his lantern glowing until the choppy waters put it out. Another, having seen this, lost his balance and fell. This pattern went on until there were just five people left, fumbling in the darkness, following the light in front. This pattern went on until there were just five people left, fumbling along in the darkness, following the light in front. As hard as they tried, the cliffs were unforgiving. The remaining men fell down to four, then three, and two, and then there was just one left.
And then there was just one left, who legends say cursed the earth as his legs slipped and he plunged hundreds of feet down, his lantern the last one to be extinguished. Of the 20 members who tried to overcome the cliffs, I finished. Not one of them survived. They say that sometimes, when the conditions are right, you can see the orbs along the cliff, symbols of the lost travelers who will never find their home. As the story ended, leaving the campers in an eerie silence, I saw lights up ahead. A wave of relief poured over me. We picked up the pace and found the ranger station bursting with activity, with a half dozen people running around, loading up trucks, and shouting into radios. The wind was really beginning to pick up, and I heard thunder in the distance. Hey, you kids! A large burly man with a full beard and mustache ran up to us. Get in the trucks! We don't have much time! Laura and I led the kids into one of the pickup trucks. What's going on? I asked the man. Another gust of wind. Huge storm systems heading right for us. Already been tornadoes touched down. We're getting everyone out of here. Let's go. We all climbed into the truck's bed and I collapsed down, feeling like I had just been punched in the gut. The ranger climbed into the front and we took off down a makeshift road. My head was spinning. It wasn't possible. How? Laura slid next to me, keeping her voice low. How did you know we had to get out of there? I looked over at her. My face felt empty of any blood. I saw the lights. What? No! No! She gasped, then caught herself. How many? I took a deep breath. Eight. She looked around at all the campers, who were now lying against each other, asleep despite the bumpy road. That's all of us. My god. I nodded and leaned against her. Laura had heard the traveler's story before, and she knew that I'd left out a key bit of information. The lights were real, but they were never random. If they were shining, bobbing back and forth, swinging in a small arc, it was because they had a message. A warning. One light would shine for each person who was about to die. Alright, let's take a break from fiction to talk about something real. Your true paranormal story. Have you ever had something strange happen to you that you can't completely explain? A true paranormal story? Have you experienced strange lights in the night sky? Perhaps you've spent a night in a dusty old inn out in the countryside only to make contact with a previous guest who apparently never left. Is there something odd lingering in the woods behind your home? Maybe the phenomena you're experiencing is a little more strange. Does any of this sound familiar? Maybe you have a true paranormal story of your own. Connect with us. We'd love to hear it. True Paranormal Story is a segment that we're adding to the podcast on our off weeks to feature listener stories of the strange and unexplained. Email Nikki at trueparanormalstory at gmail.com with yours today, and it could be shared on the podcast. True Paranormal Story. 
We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for tuning into another episode. It's always great to have you here. Uh, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to Justin Buskey for such a great and unforgettable conversation. Listening to it again in preparation for this episode was definitely a lot of fun. Thanks also to Chris and Davis from Coffin Cast, Lindsay Boyd, one of my longest working voice actors, and to Jeff Stallings for performing tonight's feature fiction, A Campfire Story. Thanks also to Shadow Vibe for the music that was used in tonight's episode. Whispers in the Night is brought to you by Spotify, Anchor, Midwest Made, and also Tee Public. And of course, all of these episodes are brought to you by my listeners for helping me and my show to thrive. Remember that you can support the show in a number of ways, the most important of which is leaving a rating and review wherever you tune in to your favorite podcasts. If you'd like to chip in a dollar or two, hey, I'll take it. I have a Patreon page with reward tiers starting at just a dollar. Remember to stay tuned for some of these goodies coming out this month. Uh, I have one just I have one coming just in time for Christmas. Until then, good night.